Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. The year is 1980. Sydney's streets are filthy, running rampant with crime and corruption. Puberty blues is onto the cinemas. Ice House is blaring on the stereo. It's humid and dangerous and a young man has decided to join the police force to fight crime. That man, of course, is my dad. Loose Units, the podcast, was created to tell the cases that wouldn't fit into my first book, Loose Units. But Loose Units was a series of fantastical tales that I wrote based on the real crimes my dad solved on the force back in the early 80s. So this season, Dad and I are finally going to go back, back, back to the year 1980, and each week we'll be going chapter by chapter through Loose Units, the book, and Dad will tell us the story behind my version of events. It'll be thrilling, revelatory, and as always, very, very loose. Welcome to Loose Units Origins. Hello and welcome to Loose Units Origins, the frankly thrilling podcast where I take my ex-cop dad through my book about him chapter by chapter and he tells me, you know, the real story behind the story. Dad, how are you feeling today? I'm good, mate. You know how you said frankly thrilling? Yeah. There used to be a very famous Australian actor called Frank Thring. I don't know night. what to do. I don't know what to do with that information. In the 1960s. Anyway. Yeah. Cool. Yep. Got that. Got that out of your system. Yep. That was a Frank Thring episode. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's a bit of uh, historic movie trivia. It works. Yeah, it's all good stuff. Anyway, uh, last week when we left a 21-year-old John Verhoeven, he was hurtling through the air in the middle of a car chase. And you, Dad, this was a chapter about your time stuck in the back seat on your first night with Len Beter, your, mm. your buddy. Yeah. Yep. So I, what I was going to do is read the first paragraph of this chapter just to kind of see what happens to the car. And then let's talk about car chases, okay? Mm. Now, Paul, before we start, mm. um, can I just throw a minor um, sort of like a clue into the mix? Oh, sure. For you yeah. and all the listeners. Mm-hmm. Christine and I are devotees of the show, is it called Sherlock? Elementary. <laughs> Isn't that funny? I'm, I'm painting myself on one hand as a devotee. And then you can't remember the and name. And then I can't remember the name. Yeah. Of Sherlock. We watched an episode last night. Mm-hmm. And in that episode, they use my buddy's real name. Can you believe it? Are you fucking serious? I'm not. I'm deadly serious. I'm Hang sitting on. there. Last night watching now, you'll have to tease out of me down the track. It's not really for today, but for yeah, perhaps a, a Friday. Well, because Elementary is one of my favourite shows. Mm. And, and and if 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 what what an incredible buried treasure hunt to dig up the name. It's, they actually look, used his real name. I, I 
I sat there. In what context? Oh, he's, uh, well, we'll just leave it for another time. That is so interesting because one of the key figures in elementary, uh, at least early on, is the Australian director, John Paulson. He's the founder of the Tropfest um, Fest- Film Festival. And, you know, he's Australian and he's from Sydney, so it's entirely possible that maybe maybe he heard a name. Maybe that be weird? Did some yeah. research, you mm. know. God, that's really interesting. That interesting. Okay, you can you tell me off mic, okay? Yeah, yeah. Fuck, that's really cool. I feel like I've just drawn loose units one step closer to the world of Sherlock Holmes, which is always exciting. Now, Dad, chapter six is this week's chapter for everyone reading along at home. And chapter six is called The Park. With a sickening crunch, the white van landed and began to roll slowly down towards the trees. Dunn took a moment to recover, shaking the dust from his eyes. And as the three of them watched, all still winded from the sudden evasive driving Dunn had managed to pull off, they saw the doors of the van fly open almost in unison, and three occupants jump out of the still-moving and barely intact vehicle. They then proceeded to run. Now, I don't want to give away what happens next in the chapter, so let's just for now talk about what it's like to be in a car chase. And... I mean, one of the things that was really enjoyable about riding loose units that was riding a shitload of car chases. And there's just, there's not really any car chases in Electric Blue because, let's face it, the, the person you're heading to see is dead. So there's mm. usually less of a rush. Mm. Um, do you have any advice for people who might want to, who might want to participate in a car chase? You know, you some mean, driving uh, tips. From- as the, as the chasee or the chaser? Oh, good one. Okay. So, well, I'm assuming you've never been chased. Not that uh, I'd admit to. Not STE, certainly. But let's say you were being chased by somebody in a car chase. What advice would you give them to throw off their pursuers? Well, if they're the police and it's the highway patrol, generally speaking, I'd pull over. Always. Because the, the problem, of course, with a high-speed chase is that, um, particularly with a lot more traffic on the roads, d- depending on what time of the day or night it is, I mean, if there's no one on the road at 3 a.m. I mean, if it's 3 in the morning, but the problem with being chased by the police mm. is that, um, all right, I mean, like I said, if you've just done a major armed robbery um, or committed some heinous offence or you've done a, like a ram raid on a, on a bank in the city, mm-hmm. um, you're going to have high-speed getaway cars. You're going to have multiple cars. You're going to be changing cars, changing disguises, depending on how, how deep you want to go. Um Bearing in mind the point of this podcast is not to give you the bad people um, advice advice on how to commit, you know. But look, there's a lot of surveillance material, a lot of cameras. It's got to be much uh, harder now to escape, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, once adrenaline kicks in, and uh, if you're a good driver, like in some of these movies where they use ex-racing car drivers or current racing car drivers that really know how to, you know, how to drive... And then you've got to look. If it's general duties police, you don't know who's behind the wheel. It could be a really experienced police officer, but it could be someone that's just come out of the academy that has had a year's driving experience, full stop. And then you've got to introduce rain, etc. But if it's um, a pursuit car uh, that, that are modified, yeah. Having said that, there aren't a lot of highway patrol officers on at three in the morning. But my advice to people is. Don't get in a situation, obviously, where you're going to uh, want to evade. But there are a lot of bike riders do it, uh, motorbike riders. Hang on, because you like just drive away from police. Yeah, I mean, I know people. 
You would have much better maneuverability than a police car if you're on a bike, wouldn't you? Yeah, they they can really do you know, particularly in high high traffic, they can get between the cars and it's it's. I think most police these days don't chase motorbikes, um, but there's an argument. But again, it's a whole series. It's it's the whole ethical dilemma about do you or don't you chase? And a lot of the public go, why would you chase? But if we were to do a whole episode, which I think we should one day, a Friday app talking about the pros and cons of chases. But on this particular night, I'd been in the job, as you know, God, less than a week. Yeah. I mean, the adrenaline was coursing through my veins. Let's pop you in. You're in in the back of the car. Yeah, I'm in the back. I'd moved into the middle. Yes, that's right. And I disengaged my... uh, Seatbelt. My seatbelt. And I was holding on to the, uh, the headrests. And I was basically, well... Look, it was real. There was a sense of surrealism about the unfolding event, and I didn't know how it was going to un- un- unfold. I didn't know what the end game was. I just knew that there was a vehicle that had been wanted for numerous offences, more than 20 offences in the yeah. preceding shift, and all of a sudden, a situation. I mean, I can't believe, if you think about it, and it's just struck me just then for the first time, is why on earth the panel van decided to come up alongside the police car. I mean, if I was the driver of that van, and I already had 20 to 30 break and enters, etc., under my belt for the preceding several hours, why would you come up alongside a police car? To me, that demonstrates... Uh, you could say that, um, you know, they were being uber cool and assumed perhaps that the police were unaware of that vehicle. Yeah. Um, But I would have hung back. Yeah. I mean, you can't do a U-turn in the middle of the Harbour Bridge, although I did one night. But that was... I was off duty. That's a whole other story. And it was pretty pretty irresponsible, to be honest. There is a scene in The Empire Strikes Back where the Millennium Falcon is outnumbered and what they do is they attach themselves to the bottom of a star destroyer i believe Mm. because no one's going to look at the bottom of a star destroyer the problem with that is of course that metaphor only works if the van was one one hundredth the size of a police car but what's actually happened is is it possible that they were just tired and they pulled out and then realized they had to kind of try and play it cool now that they were next to a police car I think it was so funny uh, in your book you talk about the guy the there were three in the front seat was a bench Mm -hmm. seat and the, the guy closest to me, how he couldn't resist as it drew up alongside, just very casually, nonchalantly, just sort of turning his head at 90 degrees yeah, yeah, and looking at me. And we both kind of looked at each other. It would have been a great scene in, a, in any type of film, but it would have been great in a black and white silent film because the looks on our faces were one of just sheer... I mean, it was very, very weird. And then, of course... The driver planted it, put the foot down, mm. and and then it, it, it was on. Um, you know, we called the chase. I say we. That was uh, the observer, my buddy. So he's and the, the radios back then were Motorola radios, like in the if you watch any decent cop film, particularly American from the seventies, um, they all had Motorolas. Yeah, you know, they were kind of they had like a like a coiled wire that was sort of spring-loaded and, you know, you could reef it out so far and you just called the chase 
And, be, and, and the faster you're going, the more rapidly the streets are coming up. And my problem was that I didn't know the area at all, and nor would I have been expected to after I'd only been at North Sydney a week. So to be working in a high-stress situation in the back of a police car, and the driver, he, he was a very good driver, as, as the readers will know that have read your first book. He, mm. he was a police officer in Scotland, and he was a damn good driver. And he pushed those... Uh, he pushed the driver of the panel van. He pushed him hard. At times, we were within inches of the back of the panel van. Whoa. And, 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 and we were losing the brakes. It doesn't take long or, or didn't take long back then to, to lose the brakes. They would overheat. And when brakes overheat, you basically have no brakes. So as, as, how, do you, how do you slow down? Do you well, have you just, brake turn? Or? Mm, you can do that, but the main thing is to use the column shift and knock it down into second gear. And just, yeah, just sort of try and manually. It's a lot easier in a manual car, but we didn't have manual police cars back then. Um, and we were just heading into oblivion. And we were also dangerously heading out of our area. Hang on, you didn't have manual police cars? No, all autos. I and think that, I've been, I think I wrote these cars as manuals. Well, that's very sweet, Paul, but there's just no, there's no room for gear sticks. <laughs> I, so there's so much I wrote, other shit. Dad, I think I wrote, I wrote everyone driving stick because I mm. think. In, yeah, I do. Literally, I mentioned gear shifting. God cool. damn it. That's okay. Um, but no, no. I mean, in the very early days, in the in the sixties, when they used the Mini Cooper S, uh, the Highway Patrol used those. They were they were manual. Okay. And they went they went like the yeah they were they were they were fast. Um, yeah. So we came into this park and and yeah, that's that's basically where this chapter six starts, isn't it? Weirdly. The car crash and the car chase aren't the most interesting and aren't the most stressful parts of this chapter. The most stressful part kicks off because of this next passage, which I'm going to read. Mm. Okay. John barely had time to process any of this. He knew that the end goal of any car chase was to force your adversary, for lack of a better word, into a state of recklessness which would get them to crash. Len had done that with aplomb, but John had never been in a car chase and had a thick diagonal welt across his torso from where the seatbelt had struck him. And before he could ask Len what to do next, Len did the unthinkable. Dunn had already burst from the car and had begun chasing one of the men down a side street. Upon seeing this, Len began muttering angrily, swiftly drew his gun, elbowed open his door and bolted after the men. So at this point, you have three suspects scattering from the van and Len just sort of fucked off. And then something happens, which is kind of insane. And that mm. is that shots fired. You mm. hear... <laughs> now, you told me that he was... Cause did, what happened there? Because I don't think I've ever heard exactly what you think happened from Len's perspective. Well, Len, um, he was not the most... Um, he didn't possess great physical prowess. I don't know whether he'd ever run in his life, but he was confronted. And he always wore a massive, ill-fitting, oversized suit, kind of pants, that had no form. Uh, in, in other words, they just followed the lines of his, the contours of his body, which was formless. And um, he didn't have much of a neck. Um, and... On a good day, he looked like Norman Gunston hair-wise. On a bad day, and this was a bad day because it was pissing down. Um, so bear in mind, three of us in a police car have just uh, caused a major um, 
accident. Now, the accident to me looked so bad that I just couldn't believe anyone could even escape the vehicle. I thought they'd all be at least unconscious if they were lucky. Because um, they, 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 you didn't mention in the story, Paul, but they sideswiped quite a few parked cars. And in the commotion, all these people that are living in this beautiful suburb of Waverton are awoken at some ungodly hour to the to multiple crashes, sirens, and 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 those blue lights, the, the police lights, ambulance lights, you know, if you're asleep at night and any of those emergency service vehicles are nearby. Oh, you wake up, yeah. You wake up, the glowing comes in and bounces off your ceiling. You are aware. And it's instinctive for people to go to the window and look out. And obviously something major was happening. There's a white panel van, both doors open, three occupants decamped, all in different directions. One to the right, one got out of the two got out of the passenger door, but one ran straight ahead into 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 just along the road. Yeah. And uh, the the passenger he ran down into this park. And I still to this day go back to that park occasionally, maybe once a year. And I actually look in awe at that park because it brings back so many vivid memories. So let's call the passenger um, offender number three. He's closest to the the passenger window. Yeah. He bolts down into the into the darkness. Now it's really dark. It's pitch black actually, and there's no lighting in the park, and it's pissing down as well, and. My colleague, uh, my buddy, runs after, and I'm just thinking, it it looked kind of, it looked silly and dangerous to me because it's not cool for one police officer to follow an offender. You don't know whether they're armed, and to just follow this guy into the bush, into a dark park. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. 
That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And then my, my buddy, and I'm sort of standing up there. The, the, all the offenders have gone. People are coming out of their houses. I could hear sirens from miles away. And then one of the most chilling sounds that anyone can hear is I heard two shots fired from the park. and Which is, I, just to be clear, that's that's where Len went. So Dunn Len was, was down in the bush. Else and, yeah. Yeah. yeah, Dunn was off doing something else. And, and I heard these two shots and I realised the incredible importance and significance and urgency of a situation. I had never used a police radio in anger and... I thank God I'd been trained and I realised that um, I had to let someone know. So I ran back to the police car. I waited. I stood there frozen in time, looking down into the abyss with the rain coming down, wanting, longing, wishing for my buddy to come out. But then, of course, the thought also struck me that he may well have been shot. Should I run down into the bush, into the blackness? What happens if I run down and get shot? What a fuck up. And, I, and you just, everything about that night was was just, talk about baptism by fire. I reached in, and I'm, it's pissing down. You don't, you're not standing there with umbrellas. You are wet through to the skin. And I uh, grabbed the police radio and I, you know, I, I used the call sign, which was, I think we were 6-2. Mm. And I just said, um, now what you're supposed to say, you're supposed to say 6-2, then you say urgent. And then that notifies VKG to then say all cars, you know, remain off air, basically. 6-2 only. In other words, 6-2, you've got the entire spectrum of ra- of bandwidth and if a police officer says urgent, it's, it's, there are only a few things that it can be. And I uttered the words that all police dread the most, I imagine. And that was um, shots fired. Uh, now, I didn't really know where I was. I knew I was in a park in Waverton. In fact, I don't even know whether I knew I was in Waverton. I don't think I even knew the suburb. This is an area of Sydney I had never been into until I joined the police force. I mean, Waverton's a very beautiful, sleepy, lovely, lower North Shore harbour sort of suburb. Yeah. Um, very affluent and very sedate. And, um, you know, the police knew because the observer was calling the streets in rapid succession because VKG needs to get a sense of where you are. And remember, listeners, the maps that VKG are using are just a blown-up version of a street directory in front of them. Which you've got in the car. Yeah, but that's, that's, 
No one's reading maps in a high-speed chase. You're just yeah. calling the streets and hope that VKG are getting a handle because what VKG need to do, because you're on a certain radio frequency, but, Paul, as you and the listeners know, once you start heading towards another area, and we were heading towards Lane Cove, Chatswood, 25 Divisions area, they have to open up 25 Divisions radio and they amalgamate the areas so that more and more police can listen in, particularly if it's a very fluid event. And then when you start talking shots fired, the hairs on the back of every police officer that heard those words, I mean, that, that just gives you a mega dose of adrenaline. Of course. And all it's, and it's very important for the, for the adrenaline to kick in, particularly at that time of the morning when people are generally, you know, your circadian or circadian, circadian rhythms are, are all over the shop. But this, this, this injection of adrenaline into your, into your body enables you to just gear up, prepare yourself for the unknown because all the police that are coming in and had been coming in for some time sort of sort of homing in on um, you know this sort of central event yeah. unfolding and as they're making their way from all over the you know they'd probably amalgamated because we were very close to the harbor so they would have had city areas also amalgamated on the uh, on the channel and I just um, realized that what I'd said was momentous and that that escalated the event and all sorts of other things begin to happen behind the scenes you can imagine vkg then anticipating because they're not a they don't want to react to a situation they don't want to find out later on that a police officer has been shot they so they need to sort of already start to bring up all these other um you know they have contingency plans and uh and it was all based on what i would imagine would have been a worst case scenario and you know, I was, uh, I was, I was, I was way, way out of my league that night. And you obviously did. I mean, you did arrest someone that night. Um, could you tell us a bit about that? Yeah. Um, I know. The, um, first of all, just quickly, I know the version of the arrest that happened in real life is quite different to the to the one that happens in the book. And I've had this discussion with you before. And one of my passing, one of the things I like about loose units is that I get to create a version of you that is the superhero version of you in the book you run at a guy and basically kick him off a motorcycle yeah now that didn't happen in real life um but could you tell me about the, the actual no, well, arrest yeah but it didn't happen but there was a motorbike involved of course um, yeah you know you described him wearing a particular t-shirt which i thought was really nice and sweet but oh, the countdown shirt, you know yeah. this was one of the guys one of the offenders and what he'd done and you've got to, you've got a you know, you've got to look. Perhaps I should just mention firstly, Paul, that my colleague, my buddy, did come out of the uh, out of the bush, um, and, Old and, man, yeah, yeah, and came toward me. Do you want me to sort of round that bit of the conversation up, or go on to the offender? Oh, good question. Uh, okay, let's yeah, let's close because, off because yep. you know my buddy came out of the bushes and um, and he must have seen this terrified look in my face and he, he knew what he'd done and he knew what he'd done was a bad thing, okay? He pulled his gun and shot into the air and delivered two warning shots. You don't... Police know that you don't just fire willy-nilly into the air. 
It's not the, it's not the For one, one point, reason, yeah. bullets come down somewhere. Yeah. But you just don't fire warning shots. How you When you pull your gun out, you shoot to kill. And you don't shoot someone in the back that's running away from you, which is what this guy is doing. And also, they've done some break and enters. That is not an offence that warrants the death penalty, i.e. being shot dead. Yeah, yeah. So um, my, my buddy came out of the bush. He looked like a drowned rat. He stood there. He's still clenching his firearm, and um, and we had a conversation. And he all his all his dread and worst nightmares came to fruition when he he looked at me and he said, basically, and I'm paraphrasing here, he said, "Please tell me you didn't put anything over the. Please tell me you didn't say anything about shots fired." And to which I said, "Well, yes, I did, and you know, I called shots fired." Um, and and he 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 just he just thought he knew that he'd basically fucked up really badly because I didn't know what what happens if um the offender had fired two shots into my buddy that shots fired yeah that would have warranted me saying that of course I was not aware of what was going down in the bushes um, anyway the problem was also that you know and you write about it eloquently about the the bullets that we used to use um and then and there you know you don't just you don't just lose bullets um so he had the the problem of you know, you know the, the paperwork and the questions that he would had to have gone through probably at internal affairs would have been incredibly daunting which i was not a party to but um what happened was one of the offenders who got away let's be clear he um he escaped. We didn't know who he was. Well, I kind of we, I I knew what he looked like, but you don't expect ever, um, for for someone that commits a crime, what he did. Incredibly, he stole a motorbike that night. It was a, a little Honda shitbox. He came back to the scene, and by then there were at least one hundred members of the public and numerous emergency services. Interesting. Everywhere. Yeah. And he comes back on this bike. It was a 125 Honda. It was like a postman's bike. And I could see him. And he was sort of peering through the crowd. And I thought, this is not real. And I started to walk toward him and he tried to kickstart his little bike. But it was wet and it was, it was well, he'd hotwired it. And, uh, but he only came back to just see what, just check out the scene. Mm-hmm. Which, as we know, a lot of arsonists do. And um, and I made a beeline for him, and um, and yes, I did arrest him, in in a very thrilling and you know exciting way. And you you described me as doing a sort of a a ten foot lunge through the air, yeah. like Bruce Lee. It wasn't quite like that, but I did manage to get him on the ground. Now what had happened was I had never used my handcuffs before. That's right. They were a new type of handcuff, but they've got a locking mechanism on them. And we were taught at the academy this fancy way of holding the cuffs, both of them in one hand, and then just sort of smashing them down on the wrist. And they would automatically, in a microsecond, sort of wrap round and Bob's your uncle. They were, they were cuffed, but I'd forgotten to unlock them. So I, I, when I went to sort of thrust my metal handcuffs down on his wrists, the only thing I did was basically bash his wrist. Yeah. 
and there were members of the public just all standing looking and and it was and I was embarrassed but eventually I did get the uh get the gist and um got him handcuffed and got him into the back of the paddy wagon 61 yeah that was that was an amazing night paul well you know it's it's one of the most action packed stories in the book <laughs> and I find it so interesting that your first shift with len was so eventful and i know it all goes profoundly south from there but that's yeah. kind of a you know that's kind of a matter for the next for the next chapter yeah yeah i mean chapter six has a bunch of other stuff that happens i mean obviously basically it ends with you kind of getting the handcuffs on and getting the suspect kind of booked and then the next chapter chapter seven which is called off the cuff deals with um you know you kind of checking that prisoner in and a whole bunch of other stuff so next week we'll deal with chapter seven off the cuff that's a good that was a great episode dad thank you so much for sharing that stuff paul an absolute pleasure i Mm. I, i'm loving it also everyone a very very special guest will be appearing on loose units over the coming weeks as a very special pre-christmas treat and there is a very, very big announcement coming for something that Dad and myself and Tegan and a whole bunch of other people have got planned for your Christmas. So stay tuned. There's loads of incredible stuff coming up. Stay safe. And we will see you very soon for another episode of Loose Units Origins. Bye. Cheerio. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweaters starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.